Welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast, Deke to Deke. In this episode, I had a chance to sit down with former football and track student athlete, Reggie Austin. Reggie and I talked about his career at Wake Forest with both football and track. Also, Reggie's career in the NFL, plus much, much more. Take a listen. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, go Deeks. So, Reggie, let's uh, your first time on uh, Deke to Deke. Let's uh, let's start from the beginning. So, you grew up in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. What was that like growing up during that time for you? Oh, it was a, it was a little bit rough. Um, you know, we stayed in the um, we didn't stay exactly in the hood, but we always had to cross the hood, and I was always in the hood. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, it was a, a a lot of my friends, you know, going to jail, and you know. Uh, getting shot up, you know, getting beat up, getting robbed. Uh, I saw a lot of that. Um, so it, it, it was tough on on that aspect of it. But, you know, you know, being an athlete in the high school that I went to, um, you know, everybody kind of looked out for me. So I kind of got different passes, uh, per se, you know, during, during my time coming up. Yeah. Now, you come from a family of athletes, from what I read. I mean, you have a brother that's a hitting coach. Uh, a nephew that spent time uh, playing major uh, major league baseball. How much did did you, your family and siblings being involved in athletics have an impact on your life? Oh, it was big because I always looked up to my brothers and and my sisters, and I seen I seen how well they were able to uh, do things sports wise, and I always try to model what they did and and try to be better. And I had a chance to learn from their mistakes. Learning from their mistakes was huge for me because I learned what not to do. You know, I learned how to handle uh, different things that came our way. And they, and they kind of helped me along the way to do that. Now, you play multiple sto- multiple sports, and that's an understatement because, you know, coming out of high school, you had opportunities in track, baseball, football. What was it? that led you to follow football more closely when you could have gotten drafted coming out of high school to the major leagues in baseball? Well, I actually did get drafted in baseball. It was like the 16th or 17th round or something like that. Yeah. Um, Because I was actually a better baseball player at a time, at the time than I was football. But it's just, to me, football was just so much fun. It was so much you had so much exhilaration playing. You had so much sight going on. You know, it was the crowd, you know, you know, playing with your peers or whatever. Football was just more fun. And it gave me, it gave me more of an, it, it was more of a challenge to me than baseball. I was good at baseball and it just came easy. So mm-hmm. it had got to the point where it was bored. I was yeah. bored with playing baseball and, and football with just that excitement that I needed at the time. Now, as a yeah, kid, I, I was saying I play, I did play multiple sports, play football, play basketball, ran track and played baseball. I used to play baseball and run track in the same season. Wow. Now, how did that help you play multiple sports? How did that help you develop as an athlete? Well, like it helps your athleticism. Mm-hmm. You know, I was known at Wake Forest as a hell of an athlete, and I know 
I know for a fact it was because the, of the the many sports that I played. When you play different sports, it gives it gives you a chance to work more more muscles, gives you a chance to you know work more angles in your body that that will help you in that sport that you actually pick to play. Like I always tell people, playing multiple sports is good is is great for you because if anything, it, it helps with your your to develop your athleticism. Now, as this multi-sport athlete coming out of high school, Georgia's always been a hotbed of, of, of talent in multiple sports. What was it that separated Wake Forest from other universities and also what separated Wake Forest in terms of your opportunity once you got drafted in Major League Baseball? Well, it was, it was, uh, it was multiple things. One, for baseball, I was scared, you know, to, to, to go play with grown men you know as an 18 year old yeah. um two my parents were really really big on academics uh they wanted me to to further develop they 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 care less about the sports a- aspect of it like they wanted me to you know go go on somewhere and and, and get a degree at a great university and, and wait for us fit that mold as far as the academics part of it mm-hmm. and uh coach jim caldwell and and, and coach austin are uh, the guys that recruited me they kind of wowed my family uh during the recruitment process um you know i was excited you know to 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 go to to a, to a place where a guy like caldwell was there and i i knew that i can learn how to be a man from from that guy and mm-hmm. it was just a perfect fit for me at the time like now, as you guys yeah. know, i know i know you guys know you guys drag on me all the time <laughs> i came to wait for us and i didn't even take a visit i didn't even oh, visit yeah. wait that for us right. i just that's right like after all the conversation i was just like okay i'm coming by two lane because i was going to two lane okay i was committed but they didn't come back then did it but i was supposed to go to two lane back then and then when Caldwell called and uh, Coach Austin came to visit a couple times, and you know he ate with the family, and you know it, it felt genuine. So that was mm-hmm. that was my that was my, that made my decision uh, easier. Now, Reggie, you talked about Coach Caldwell. Kind of describe for Deacon Nation what it was like to play for him as a coach, and what it was like to have him as a leader in terms of just as a man, as a person. Well, first of all, I'll talk about him as a person. Coach Caldwell was the first black guy that I met that was kind of like a, a that, that would be a mentor to me. He was like this very intelligent, you know, black man, you know, that's leading leading the organization at, at a at a, a place like before and, and he was there leading us and he was teaching us more than the game. You know, he was teaching us how to be men. He was teaching us um, what, what what it's like to be a productive citizen at the time. You know, to him, it was more than just wins and losses. It was it was it was him being able to develop us and to be productive young men. Coach Caldwell, he, and, and with that, he taught me a lot football wise. You know, he taught me how to 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 look at a game. You know, at, at different different angles, how how to study the game. You know, how to be more of a, a a constant pro. You know, how to be a student of the game. Like he he taught me all that stuff, and I and until and this 
day, I always tell people, man, I learned a game from, I learned a game, I learned how to be a man from Jim Caldwell. Yeah. Now you get to wake and you continue to shine in multiple sports. And we're going to talk about football, but I want to touch on just your track career, Wake, briefly. And because there was a meet that stood out. It was in Charlotte in 1999, towards the end of your career. And one meet, uh, you ran the 100, 200 meters. You were uh, ACC Performer of the Week. You broke your you broke the record in the 200 meters, and you tied the record in the 100 meters that you already had. What was it about track and field that pulled you into it? And how were you able to have such great success in multiple sports while in college with so much pressure and, and demands on your time? Like, like we said before, like I was always a multi-sport athlete. When I got to Wake Forest, like I wanted to participate in more than just football. Um, and track fit that mold to to the other sport that will help me to, to develop into a better football player. Track and football are synonymous with each other. And, and I don't think I would have been able to do the things that I was able to do football-wise if I wasn't, you know, in, in the track program. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, when I got to Wake Forest, I was fast. But when I started running track, it was just another level. You know, I was I was just way faster than everybody else, especially the you know receivers that I was playing against. You know, some of the guys I covered from week to week. You know, I was just far and above faster than those dudes, and it was simply because I ran track. Um, and running track also fit that mode of, of that competitive nature that I yearned when I was when I was there. It, you know, it was exciting. You know, it got it, it got me away from certain workouts from football. <laughs> <laughs> spring practice <laughs> winter conditioning yeah <laughs> spring conditioning winter conditioning got me out of some of those things but track was like a big component of, of me developing to the athlete I was because you know at the end of the day uh once I got older and got more developed at weight like I wanted to you know to try to make it NFL so it was that track aspect of it that would help me you know, to 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 get get that speed needed in the NFL, because you know, at the end of the day, in the NFL, it, it's about speed. Yeah. So, like, for me running track just was that it fit the mold of everything I needed uh, to help me for my overall goal in athletics. Now, Reggie, you talked about uh, you know the speed component and being faster as a corner in the ACC at that time. Who were some of the wide receivers that you had to recover, that you had to cover during that time uh, that really, you know, were the ones that kind of gave you a challenge in terms of just speed and coverage? Tori Hope, Rod Gardner, um, the guy from Duke, he was he's the coach at East Carolina now, uh, Scotty Montgomery. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, the whole Florida State crew. <laughs> Bernie is Coles and 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 Travis Minor and 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 Gil what uh the all the fast guys they had you yeah. know at Florida uh, you know those are the people like I still you know I post stuff on my social media now 
and people's covering Toro, having success against Toro, having success against Peter Ward, having success against uh, Rod Gardner. These were like, like top first round picks, like between five and eight uh, picks in the NFL draft. And you see me in college handling those guys uh, uh, for the most part. So that that's that was the great thing about playing against ACC. You were playing against the, the best talent uh, day in and day out. Now, Reggie, you talked about, you know, growing up in Atlanta, playing sports, uh, then coming to Wake. What was it like when you got that call and that you were getting drafted? Where were you and how did you celebrate that big moment in your life? Man, I'll tell you, like, I was ducked off in my mom's bedroom hiding from everybody. I got to tell you the story about the whole draft. <laughs> I was like, they didn't know where I would go in the draft. You know, they told me, like, you can go anywhere between the second round and the fifth round. Like, we don't know. It just depends on how the draft go. So I used, I used to tell my mom, like, like, mom, I don't want to have a draft party because, you know, I don't know where I'm going. Like, it'll be embarrassing if I don't get picked. You know, I was worried about yeah. that. And she was like, oh, okay, well. We won't have a party. We'll just have some family members over. Man, I come to the house on the first day of draft. It's like 100 people at my mom's house. <laughs> it's like 100 people there. I'm like, I thought we weren't going to do no party. And she was like, I'm sorry, baby. Just, you know, I called a couple people, and they called their people, and they called their people. This is what we got, so we just going to have to deal with it. <laughs> So like everybody else was downstairs, you know, in the, in the family room, living room, down in the uh, basement, you know, enjoying themselves. And I was just hiding from everybody up in, in my mom's room because I was just, you know, nervous and, and, and scared and really more nervous about not getting picked. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, I was chilling during the first round. I knew I wasn't going to the first round. Second round come around, I started getting interested. Phones start ringing and. I remember the Dallas Cowboys calling me, telling me, say, hey, you may be available for us in the second round. We'll pick you in the second round if you're available to us. So get to the Dallas Cowboys picks, and, of course, they didn't pick me. Uh, they picked another corner. So that was like a shot to the heart for me. So I was, like, really, like, pissed off at the time, like, you know, just wondering, you know, where things went wrong. Third round came along. It was that night, and I still hadn't getting, gotten picked. So I was kind of, you know, you know, feeling bad then. But mm -hmm. I had my family there, you know, you know, with their support, you know, pretty much telling me whatever happens, they're proud of me and, you know, this, that, and the third. And, you know, that next day, you know, all the teams were calling me excited. Like, we're excited that you, that, that you are, you know, available in the fourth round, we'll definitely get you. So, you know, I got picked, you know, early on in the fourth round. And then it was like all the heartache that was like the time I didn't get in the second or third, all that went away. And it was just, you know, a, a, a emotional that I can't even explain. Like mm -hmm. just, just him getting called and they're showing your highlights, you know, on ESPN and, and uh, the guys saying that we were surprised that that Wake Forest's Reggie Austin failed to the fourth round because we thought he was a second round guy, you know, just things like that, like just just made made me feel really really good about about myself. 
decision that I made to go to Wake Forest because I needed to play Wake Forest because I was kind of rough around the edges. You know how I was when I first mm -hmm. got there. I was rough edges and I needed a place, a small school like Wake Forest to kind of settle me down and, and humble me and, and, and help me to grow into uh, the man that I am now. Now, Reggie, we always hear about the coaches that help us along the way. And who are some of the people that weren't coaching staff that helped you along the way while at Wake Forest? Oh, man, where do I start? Um, uh, well, I know he's not on the coaching staff, but you know we all got to start with Coach Faircloth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everything <laughs> Coach Faircloth. Coach yeah. Faircloth first, you know, you know, because, you know, the high school I went to, it was 100% black. We didn't see people. I didn't see white people really until I got to Wake Forest. And right. Coach Faircloth, that first white guy that I met that was like genuine and, and, and seemed like that he he would uh really, you know, take care of me. Um, and he, he was that guy for the four years that I was there. Then you have your people like Miss Hopkins, and, and her husband, Bill Hopkins, Dr. Hopkins, I'm sorry, Dr. Hopkins, uh, she really um, started interesting me and she she made sure that I was always, you know, doing what I'm supposed to do. Um, she always checked on me, always made sure I was straight, always asked if I needed help academically. Like she was like one of the big, the big, big supporters that I had at Wake Forest. Like uh, those two, um, Beth Hopkins and, and, and both Dr. Hopkins and, and Coach Faircloth is who I who I say that really, really helped me the most when I was there. Now, Reggie, can you pick out a moment on the field and off the field? I like to call those Deacon moments that really stand out in your mind. I you got to give me an on the field. You got to give me an on. I, Reggie, I need an on the field moment that that stands out from football. Uh, the on the field moment that stands out at football is really the North Carolina game, uh, my sophomore or junior year. You know, because that's when Dre Bly was like the number one corner in the nation, and we were playing against them. And and I think something happened. I went in the game. And when I got in the game, you know, they wanted to, to test me. So I ended the North Carolina game with three pass breakups, no, four pass breakups and two interceptions. Like I really just balled out of my mind that game. That moment always sticks out uh, to me as well as the moment, you know, having an interception against, against Torrey Holt and playing well for the most part against him. That's awesome. I, it's too far back in my memory to really give you a, a, a off the field situation, man. I can't remember back that far. That's twenty two years ago. But I'm pretty sure twenty three. I'm pretty sure graduation stands out to you. Graduation, graduation was a big yeah, 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 yeah. I can say graduation. Graduation was a big part because I wasn't supposed to be there. You know, here comes, here's this inner city kid you know, that, that leaves Atlanta, goes to this challenging academic school like Wake Forest, and, 
and you know, I get done in three and a half years. Um, you know, for the most part, you know, so being able to, you know, see my parents uh be so proud of me for graduating, you know, from an institution like Wake Forest, that was like a, a real big time for me. Because they thought, you know, they may have thought that, you know, I was getting looked from the NFL and they thought I, I probably wouldn't finish what I started. But, you know, the foundation at Coach Caldwell and, and all the academic people there at Wake, they made sure that we stayed on point, we stayed focused, you know, to make sure that we get our degrees. Now, Reggie, you got drafted by the Bears, right? What was your welcome to the NFL moment and who was the wide receiver in the league that gave you the biggest problems? My welcome to the NFL moment was uh, so because I was a little guy, you, you know, me, I was 170 pounds in the NFL. So all the defensive linemen and the linebackers, they they always took to me like they always joked me and said how small I was and. They found out that I was putting uh, ten pound weights in my pants so I can weigh, <laughs> so I can weigh one hundred and eighty pounds. Uh, so one day they invited me out. They were like, "Rook, come on out. You're gonna come hang out with us." So we go to the ESPN zone down in Chicago, and uh, you know we're watching a game, and you know just having fun. They're, they're drinking, doing their things, eating. You know we're having fun, and then the bill came. <laughs> So when the bill came, I remember um, one of the D-line, like, hey, this rookie right here, he's going to pay for all our food. It was $8,000. So that was my that was my welcome to the NFL, that $8,000 bill. You know, they were, they were getting shots of alcohol that was like $100 a shot, like just, just having a good, 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 Jeez. we're having a, and I end up having to, um, having to pay for it. And you didn't uh, see it coming, did you? You didn't oh, see it coming. I, I didn't see it coming at all because it was like we were in facility just having a good time. Yeah. And I didn't even notice, like, man, I'm the only rookie here. <laughs> I didn't even I didn't even notice that. And then, you know, I had heard stories you were gonna have to pay for different things, but I thought it would come from, you know, my position and then have a whole team, which we did. We had mm -hmm. those two, but that was the time they took me out. I thought they would buy me out just because they liked me or, or 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 this or that, and I end up paying for the bill. On the field, it would have to be Randy Moss. It yeah, would have to okay. be Randy Moss. Uh, you know, we all know who Randy Moss is. We all know what you know the things that he done. And the the crazy story about me being the one that was covering him during our game. We we come in, you know, on on Wednesday for the game plan. And our DB coach said, we got Randy Moss this week. Who mm -hmm. wants to cover him? I wasn't even starting at the time. They were like, we got Randy Moss this week. Who going to cover him? Because we used to play this defense where the corner is playing press on him and they put help over the top. No one raised their hand. No one raised their hand. But you know me being me, I'm like, yeah. I coach. He was like, well, you starting this week. <laughs> that's, how, <laughs> that's how I was able to, you know, Play that game against Randy Moss. Um, the first game that we played against, we we I say we because you know you need to help with him. We yeah. held him down pretty good that game. We ended up beating them. You know I ended up having a good game. I had an interception that game. 
But Lord knows the second time we played him, he yeah, he showed me why he was Randy Moss. <laughs> Y'all, his highlight, people don't really notice, but one of those touchdowns was on me where he jumped over my head. Wow. But one of the good things, you know, Fred, Fred Robbins was there in Minnesota. And mm-hmm. he after that second game, he was like, man, Randy Moss said he didn't know who you was that first game, but he knew who you were this game. He <laughs> did all the film study possible on you. And when I tell you he had like he had he had like three catches. He like had like three catches for like 120 some yards on. So that was that was my that was the only rough time that I had in the NFL playing against Moss. But hey, who didn't have a rough time against him? <laughs> and, and then and then, you know, you did such a great job, you got his attention. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Fred, when when Fred told me that, uh-huh. It kind of made me feel good at that time because I was feeling down like I had let the team down because Randy Moss had got off that game and they ended up winning. Mm-hmm. But when I saw Fred after the game, and he told me that, it kind of made me feel a little, a little bit better inside. That's awesome, man. So, Reggie, I want to fast forward a little bit to uh, you retire from the NFL and you go into coaching and you return back to the Atlanta area. And if I'm not mistaken, you're coaching track and you're asked to take over the baseball program at Mays. And in four short years, you were able to turn that program around. Couple of questions. One, what made you get into coaching? And two, what were you able to do and put in place to help turn that baseball program around so quickly? Well, um, to answer the first question, um, I started coaching, you know, because, you know, after I, after I, you know, retired from the NFL and trying to find out what, what I'm going to do for my second career, you know, I came to the conclusion that I wanted to coach college football. You know, I wanted to do what Coach Caldwell, Coach Austin, and all those guys did for me. Like, I wanted to go to college and I wanted to coach. But as you know, it's kind of hard getting into – you know, the college coaching program. So uh, the guy that I was training with back then, Chip Smith, told me, he was like, what you what you think about, you know, coaching high school for a while to get your feet wet, get your feet wet, and then going to college. So I was like, okay, that might be a good idea. I started coaching, you know, at Central Gwinnett High School, Georgia, uh, in 2006, you know, thinking that, you know, I coached, I coached high school a couple of years. And then I'll, you know, get me a college gig somewhere. It just turned out I've been coaching football 16 years later. <laughs> so that was that, that's how I got into to and, and you know, I always love, you know, baseball. Baseball is always my first love, and that's never gone in just because I made it to the NFL and, you know, played college ball. Baseball was still always my first love. So when the principal asked me to take over the program, it was it, it was like, oh, yeah, like, you know, I'm, I'm ready for it. So I just jumped in and, you know, did all my research trying to, you know, become a better coach and, you know, um, got support from, you know, my brother and, and other people in the baseball world and just learned a lot and just, you know, got things together and just and just went from there. And then, you know, we, we, we always had some baseball kids at Mays. They just didn't have anyone to lead them. So you have a young guy taking over the baseball program, 
was excited about coaching baseball and excited about, you know, the fundamentals of baseball, you know, putting those fundamentals in mm-hmm. and, you know, you transfer here, transfer there because they feel like they have a, a good coach in place. And that just put things together, you know, for us to have a great year that third year. Because when I started, I had a bunch of baseball kids that were ninth graders. So I started those ninth graders and we played always up up to their junior year we had a pretty good year and then their senior year we had a great year so that's how you know that came about and then after those guys you know it was a lot of kids that were into baseball that would come to Mays to play baseball because they saw what we were able to accomplish that year so you know I've yeah I've I've I coached two kids playing baseball that's in the major leagues right now one just got drafted here number four overall and then i had a guy xavier curry who just made his debut pitching for the um cleveland guardians about uh three weeks ago now reggie so that's a big that's a big well i want to talk about something even bigger you're talking about the kids that you coach let's talk about your own kid (laughs) (laughs) now your son recently uh, was faced with a very similar decision that you had to deal with in terms of uh, picking Major League Baseball or going to college. Without going into too much detail into, you know, his decision ultimately, kind of share with Deacon Nation, what was that like to be in that position as a parent as your child was in that very same position that you were in years earlier? You know, as a parent, you know, you want, you want your kid to make the best decision yeah. for them. Um, you know, you you, you kind of sometimes have to make decisions for them. So I, I've always been a proponent of, of, of academics, school, you know, through my weight forward learning and, you know, things that I've learned, you know, being an adult. You know how important it is to 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 make those those friendships and those connections in college. I always, you know, was was on board of, of RJ, you know, actually experiencing, you know, the college life, you know, mm-hmm. to become a man. So when he had that decision, and you know, we always thought RJ had first round, second round talent. As, as you know, he showed, you know, he was a perfect game All-American, made the USA team. You know, he was ranked really, really high, and he performed at, at all those events that they go through throughout the time. But for some reason, they were saying, you know, fifth, sixth round for him. And we was like, you know, you know what? Instead of going fifth and sixth, sixth round, you got Vanderbilt all back on. Vanderbilt is, is actually a school similar to Wake Forest. You know, with academics, except their baseball program is one of the top baseball programs in the nation. They're one of the top NCAA programs. You know, they they won three national championships. They 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 lost two others, and they're always in in the discussion every year, year after year, of you know being one of the top baseball programs in the nation. And they develop their baseball their baseball players. So you know, we came we came. To decision that it's best for him to you know go ahead and experience that college life get it to become a freshman all-american to make the all-american team in college to play in omaha 
and then go about it again in three years to see what they feel about you, see if you can, you know, get into that first or that second round of those top picks. Man. And NIL yeah. didn't, the NIL deals didn't, it didn't hurt, hurt the chances <laughs> either. Well, Reg, it's interesting you mentioned that. Uh, just had a discussion with the uh, athletic director, John Curry, and he talked about NIL, and that's been the hot topic. And so if you don't mind, you know, without going into too much detail, what is it like as a parent, the NIL process? You know, we hear so much about it in the news, and there's, there's you know, still not a lot of information available to the public. But can right. you just kind of give an idea to Deacon Nation what the NIL sort of process is, you know, from your perspective as a parent and also a coach? Well, as a parent, it's kind of stressful because, you know, it's something new. And, you know, to get NIL, you have to have a an advisor okay. slash agent. You know, okay. advisor until they agent until you get drafted. Mm -hmm. So you have those advisors working for you you know, to actually get those in the NIL deals. And, you know, one of the biggest things that I worried about as a parent is taxes. You know, okay. how the taxes pay? This kid is 18 years old. You know, he's he, he can make possibly, you know, 60000 to to $100,000 his freshman year. You know, what are we going to do tax-wise? Or what are we going to do as far as how much the people that's representing him paying them those are the the, the the biggest things that i had issues with like especially that tax we all know how taxes work yeah. and how that is you know how what can we put in place to have an 18 year old kid make sure that he's put put money away so that he can pay his taxes at the end of the year the good thing about it is now he can get out of my pockets <laughs> <laughs> he can go you know, now you can you can you can pay your own way now. You know, as a matter of fact, you need to pay you need to pay my phone bill since I've been paying you on for six years. <laughs> yeah, as a coach, you worry about as a coach, you worry about kids' motivation getting taken away because they're getting paid so much money. You know, especially in you know football aspect of it. Football makes the most in nil. You got a kid. Can you imagine, Smitty, me and you having a hundred thousand dollars or more at Wake Forest no, when we no. were in college? No, like, we struggled. We struggled with the Pell Grant. Right. <laughs> we got a Pell Grant shit and thought we were uh, a master baller. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like you know you got kids making four hundred, five hundred thousand a year. Yeah. Are they really gonna put all into into playing? With with that win over them, like I'm already, I already got four hundred thousand dollars. What what I need to work hard for? I think that's I think that's the biggest thing, and just knowing how much is too much, or or or, or why haven't they put a cap on how much you can actually make? You know, to to curtail some of that stuff. So it's 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 an interesting situation that's going to be a hot topic for some time to come. But I really, I really do wish that you know we could have got some of that NIL deal because I saw a lot of number nine jerseys that I paid for. <laughs> Reggie, man, thanks for taking the time out uh, to to do this real quick. As you've been following the football program at Wake and you, you're watching the success that we're having in the program, 
that Clawson has built. What are your thoughts on when when you look at the program and you see the success, just the continuing and consistent success? Share with Deacon Nation what it feels like to see that as a football alum. Oh, man, I love where our program is right now. You know, to to see where, where we came from and, you know, having to build it up a little bit and seeing that it's success that it had, like, when we left and to see the things that we have going on now, man, it's amazing. I got a chance, as you know, to go up to homecoming last year, and I was just amazed the difference of, you know, the the – the, just the surroundings, the environment, the, the whole vibe at Wake Forest now, it's like, it's it's unbelievable. It's just amazing. And the job that Coach Clawson is doing, you know, even with just how he communicates with the alumni. I mean, I, I text him, you know, every now and then, and every single time I text him, he texts back. You know, he, he, he takes time to talk to you like he will, you know, congratulate you on certain things like you can you can tell that he 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 really loves the way program and he's not there to, you know as a stepping stone like you can tell he really loves Wake Forest program and he wants to bring a national championship to Wake Forest and he's he's the guy that you know will have the, the best chance to do that I think right with what you know all the things that's going on like it's just amazing seeing that that where we are as a football program now it's it's great it's like people call me all the time about Wake Forest like Wake Forest did it I know Wake Forest might beat Clemson this year I know they're gonna cover the spread because they got a great offense (laughs) but they they, you know just just certain things like that it just feel good you know the people you know can talk about Wake Forest as a football program and not just golf and basketball Well, Reggie, man, that's awesome. Again, thanks uh, for taking the time out and uh, sharing your story with Deacon Nation and all that you've got going on. We got to have you coming back to campus, man. You got to come back to a game more than one and uh, and make sure that uh, you say hello to some of the Deacon fans that are out there, man. Oh, yeah, definitely. I got to get to a couple games this year. Yeah, we're going to make that happen, man. Hey, as always, man, appreciate it. Yes, sir.